Welcome once again to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And tonight we are talking about episode 59 of So Weird. That's season three, episode 20, which is Widow's Walk. Oh boy. Spooky sounding. (laughs) It's actually quite a scenic episode considering this one takes place on a beach. Yeah, I will admit it's probably my favorite episodes of the season. In my own opinion, it's one of the best episodes of the season. And I will admit that the plot is very cliche, but it's a cliche that I am really into. So, yeah. Yeah, I actually kind of feel the same way that you do. I've only seen this episode once before just rewatching it. And I would agree that it's probably my favorite of season three or one of my favorites. I'm, I, I can't decide. Um, yeah, but I agree. It's kind of contrived at points and we'll get into that, but it's still an enjoyable episode. Yeah, I definitely remember watching this one as a kid and really identifying with Annie's struggle in this one and wishing to be older. So it's an episode I definitely look back on fondly. All right, I'm going to be the grumpy old man out here and say I don't really like this episode that much. (laughs) Why am I always the negative one, guys? I swear I don't mean to be. Oh, I have some negative too, don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about the the premise here. All right, so in this one, Molly, Carrie, Jack, and Annie are spending some time at a seafront home while Ned and Irene are on their anniversary trip, which explains where they've been the last couple episodes, I guess. Why they're there. Annie notices that a strange old woman lives next door who puts the woman puts out a lantern every night and cries for someone named William. And it turns out William is her or was her late husband. And in her senility, she believes he'll return to her someday. Meanwhile, Annie is beginning to resent that the slightly older Jack and Carrie can go out and drive and go on little adventures while she has to stay home. She soon gets her wish to be older granted in the least pleasant way when she ends up switching ages with the old woman next door. That is our premise. So I guess I'll start by saying uh, why I don't like this episode very much. Most of the episode is devoted to Alex wandering around an empty house in not especially convincing old age makeup. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And then our big exciting climax is when she falls over. Now, of course, falling is a terrifying proposition for an elderly person. But as a defining action on a television show, it's not very dynamic or exciting. And then, of course, we have the Spirit Panther showing up as a lame deus ex machina to solve the character's problems just out of the blue. So I guess that's my main sticking point with Widow's Walk. You know, those are valid point <laughs> <laughs> yeah definitely yeah yeah i definitely feel like that's uh one of the writing issues with it i'll admit that some at some points the writing is just eh but that's with any episodes this season to be honest yeah watching it now those are the things that bother me but as a kid i really liked this episode because i identified so much with Annie's struggle and being the youngest. Yeah. And being told, you have to do your homework now. You can watch The Weird later and being like, no, I want to watch <laughs> the show now and then do my homework. 
I have an older sister and I grew up with older cousins. So being able to see them go out, have fun and do things that I was allowed to do was something that I really loved this episode for tackling. Yeah. I think that uh, it kind of makes Tony seem more relatable because, uh, you know, we all felt that way at points when we were kids. And at times, Annie doesn't feel like an actual teenager, (laughs) Uh, you know, that we can all, I guess, relate to. Well, I don't recall seeing this one when it first aired, so I can't reflect on how I would have responded to the story as a 10 or 11 year old. But watching as an adult, I I think the writing here is a little childish. It it seems like the kind of premise that gets discussed a lot on younger children's shows, this idea of, oh, I want to be older, and then they age up suddenly. There's some sort of Freaky Friday body-switching shenanigans going on, and they discover, like, well, actually being young is better in some ways than being a mature adult. But this is taken to a much more extreme direction, by her, by Annie suddenly becoming an 80-year-old woman or however old she's supposed to be. I think this, uh, the plot, not the exact plot, but the plot of somebody wishing they were older and getting that wish overnight is actually done on a lot of things. I remember a specific episode, I think, of Are You Afraid of the Dark or R.L. Stein's... Goosebumps. There was an episode of that that had that plot. Which yeah. is actually kind of interesting because the star of that episode was later a co-star of Alex's, which I found interesting. <laughs> yeah, I think that was Are You Afraid of the Dark that did that. I well, find it interesting that you guys are latching on to the idea of like a younger person wishing they were older is a true cliche of this. But when I first saw the intro again, rewatching it, and we're immediately confronted with a wishing well and this young girl throwing her penny into the well while Annie voices over about how wishes, we all want to make them. And there's no promise of turning back once you get your wish. I thought that was really cliche. Actually, that's not even the part that I thought was cliche. It's the whole... Uh, someone waiting forever for somebody to return to them, even though it's been like several years, like 50, 100, 200 years. And it's just so sad and cliche. (laughs) To respond to what Kat said, always be careful what you wish for is this lesson that children's media returns to a lot because kids are prone to making wild, exaggerated wishes. It's something you do when you're younger. Um, I do like that cold open though. I I like the wishing well. I like how Annie's narration is very sweet and cute sounding at first, but then we get hit with that really creepy imagery of the hand turning into a skeleton. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, not even a skeleton, just a creepy shot of rotting flesh. That was cool. Yeah, honestly, that feels like something out of like Tales from the Dark Side. You know, (laughs) it feels a little heavier than so weird usually is. And it's kind of at odds with the rest of the episode, which I think is. Overall, this is not one of the scary, so weird episodes, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I no. I think that was probably the best intro of season three, for sure. Yeah, probably. I, I guess the idea of the old woman, what what's her name? Let me look up. Uh, Virginia Hasby. Miss Hasby, yes. You know, there's this interesting thing with her where 
she apparently would have been okay with stealing Annie's youth if her husband had indeed come back to her. It's only after discovering that her husband is dead and never returning to her, has been dead for 50 years, that she realizes like, oh, well, it's not fair for me to take this girl's youth away from her. But presumably, if for some miracle or magical shenanigans, doodah, her husband had returned to her, she would have been completely okay with Annie just living out the rest of her short life as an 80-year-old woman. Yeah, that is definitely messed up of her character. <laughs> does she really think that she stole Annie's youth, or does she think that, I don't know, it just kind of happened to both of them? I think she knew. Yeah. Uh, it seemed to be implied uh, in that last scene with them together. Okay. I think she thought just her wish came true. And when she first saw Annie, her mind was so focused on the possibility of seeing William again that she didn't care. Yeah, well, this is another so weird season three episode where there's no explanation for the supernatural event that happens. One of the people, there's a line of dialogue somewhere about how people think Miss Hasby is a witch. And that is pretty much the sole explanation we get for what's going on. And there seems to be something about how it's the 50th anniversary of the storm that killed her husband and this note he wrote her washes up on the beach and it glows or something. Why these yeah. things are happening is never elaborated upon though. Oh my God. We mm -hmm. keep talking about everything out of order. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I definitely had the feeling that she was a witch way before that uh, line of dialogue even came up. Like, uh, when she opened up that bottle so easily, even though Carrie and, and Jack had just couldn't do it. Yeah, actually, okay, now that I'm thinking back on the episode, there were a lot of things like that. Like, the bottle opening. I totally forgot about this episode because I've only seen it once. So, the bottle opening just seemed like maybe that was designed by her husband. I don't know. And now I'm wondering, what, why did that happen? <laughs> Why was she able to open it so easily? <laughs> okay, we need to back up a little bit because we're okay. missing a lot of important stuff here. Oh, okay, <laughs> what are the important things we're missing? Okay, first off, we're immediately introduced to the storyline about Annie being too young to join in on what Jack and Carrie are doing. Because as soon as we open up, Jack and Carrie are like, oh, sweet, let's go to the beach. Annie's like, oh, the guys are at the beach. Wicked, I'm there. And Molly's like, no, 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 you have to do your homework. Jack's a senior, so he can do his homework whenever he wants. Yeah. And first off, I like that we see Molly parenting a little bit, that Jack's building, taking on more privileges as he gets older. But at the same time, it feels really juvenile to treat Annie that way when she's 15. It's not like she's a little kid. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I felt, as I said, I think the writing in this episode is a bit childish because they're treating Annie like she's eight or nine when she's only two years younger than Jack. Something I think that ties into that is that Annie's wearing pigtails in this episode. And I feel like that was mm -hmm. deliberate in order to make her look younger. Because they do treat her like she's a child, not like she's a 15-year-old. Yeah, I, I agree that, that that is a little silly for her to not be allowed to go with them. Just because she's a couple years older. But what also bothers me is that Ned gave them homework when they were going on vacation. That's rude. <laughs> Honestly, I got a bunch of homework uh, for my vacations when I was in school, like high school and below. 
Really? I don't think I ever went on like a Christmas vacation or Easter vacation without getting homework. A big packet of homework. I'm like, ah, fuck. (laughs) I yeah, I I sometimes got um homework on vacation. It's not totally out of the ordinary. I guess, but they'd never go on like a vacation. I mean, they're always just traveling to places, but not taking time off. It does seem kind of silly because Ned can make them do their homework whenever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that is true. And what also strikes me as a little weird is how condescending Jack is to Annie. Like, ah, oh, homework. I had to do that when I was young. Like, Jack, <laughs> shut up. You're only two years older. You still have homework, too. You're just not doing it. Though, to be fair, when you're 15, seven, the two years in between 15 and 17 do seem a lot young, a lot, lot longer when you're that age. You know, now yeah. that we're all, all bitter middle-aged adults looking back on this. <laughs> Jack was just rude, though. Like, it felt so unnecessary. But it also did feel like something that kids would say. Because, like, when I was younger, my friends and I would be like, oh, yes, I remember those days. As Annie is tossing and turning later that night after she sees Virginia for the first time, we get these weird visual shots of the ocean. And it's not really clear. Is this supposed to be a nightmare of Annie's or a glimpse of William's restless spirit? Or was it just thrown in there because it looked cool? Probably a mix of the three, to be honest. Yeah, maybe they needed to uh, pad out the runtime a little. Doesn't the door open, too? Like, the, the her bedroom door burst open due to the wind? Yeah. Uh, the window, I think. Or, yeah, it is a door. <laughs> and then, the next day, Jack and Carrie find the bottle. And I think it's important that we address their first reaction to finding a bottle addressed to Virginia Hasby. It's not, let's go deliver this letter. It's, let's show Annie. <laughs> like, what, why are you dragging Annie into this? You found a letter, you know who it belongs to, just deliver the letter. Well, it's because they know Annie likes weird shit. But how do they yeah. know it's weird? I mean, it's a little weird. <laughs> I mean, it's a bottle washed up after 50 years. Well, they don't know how long it's been there for. It looks old. It does. <laughs> yeah, it's it's grimy. So, hey, Annie, you like weird stuff. Here, have a grimy bottle that's not addressed to you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're still yeah, bizarre. honestly, that's a part of the episode I don't like either. I'm not that, surprised they did it. <laughs> that and Jack was just scolding Annie the night before on manners when introducing Annie to the owner of the bed and breakfast. And then when it comes time to deliver the letter... Jack and Carrie totally chicken out. Jack's so rude to Virginia Hasby. He's just, I believe this is yours. Bye. Like, wow. Who are you to scold people on manners when that's how you greet your neighbor? <laughs> yeah. He's just being rude to this senile old woman. Yeah. and it's Just like he's so being rude to Annie. <laughs> well, Annie didn't do too well either when she goes in and Virginia's like, I don't get many visitors. And she's like, that's okay. I wasn't going to (laughs) stay. What? (laughs) You know, you're supposed to stay when you get invited into a house. You just don't. Just so much blatant ageism on display in this episode. (laughs) Yeah. 
All right. So a scene I really need to discuss here is, and once again, Kat, you have ruined the way I watch the show because there's a scene where before they're getting ready to go on this uh, scootering or go-karting or whatever the hell it's supposed to be, <laughs> where Jack and Carrie are trying to butter up Molly and Carrie looks at her and says something like, you're over 21, aren't you? In a very flirtatious manner. Now, of course, this is all very parental, and the way she reacts, in fact, Molly is just acting very parental in general in this episode, but through a certain lens, one could look at that moment and perceive it as a romantic interaction. Now, couldn't they? I actually didn't take that one that way. What I did <laughs> take was at the beginning of the episode when Carrie dresses Molly as Maul. That stuck out to me. Like, that's very informal, very close. But also, it boggles my mind that Carrie is under 21, because in my mind, he was always older. He was always yeah, older to me. Honestly, it bugs me as well, just because I feel like he should be older, at least 24. <laughs> but well, I, assumed, I assumed because of Chrysalis, he was at least 21, but I guess not. Yeah. I mean, it's not as if teenagers can't become alcoholics all the time, but uh, I don't know. I always assumed he was <laughs> older than 21. Um, I'm going to have to look this up because some of the characters' ages were listed in the uh, Fountain script. I don't know if Carrie's was, though. So, hmm. All right. Consult the ancient tomes, Emily. <laughs> I, I was just once again commenting about how Kat has ruined the way I watch the show, and I just <laughs> assumed that Molly and Carrie are sleeping with each other behind everybody's backs. <laughs> but about that scootering okay so it, it okay first off i mean is that a canadian thing scootering i've never heard of like going to a place where you can scooter uh, having said that when we cut away to molly jack and carrie at this scootering attraction it doesn't appear to be some sort of industrial park or anything they're just sitting on a like green hill somewhere what i'm wondering is what exactly are they doing out there this is the great mystery of this episode not why the age they're switching missing Annie, obviously <laughs> they just stopped they scootered all the way out there so that they can be like wow we're being jerks to annie i miss her and then Carrie just dishes on the town gossip that Virginia's a witch. <laughs> <laughs> well, then they jump back on their scooters and scooter back to the seaside bed and breakfast or whatever it is they're staying at. Yeah, the entire scene just exists to exclude Annie and then feel bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> this scene also gives me my favorite line of the episode when Carrie spreads the gossip that Mrs. Pansby is a witch. Molly immediately goes, she's not a witch, she's just a lonely old woman who's lost her husband. Like, oh, Molly, you feel Virginia, you know her pain. Yeah, and uh, the look Jack gives uh, Molly in that scene is, like, so sad. <laughs> yes, a knowing look between Jack and Carrie. I love how we can literally look at a moment of a character looking at another character. <laughs> And That's just how we are. <laughs> it's also something cool to note that this episode also uses Molly sensing things. Molly feels that something's wrong and they need to get back to town immediately. And this is when Annie has passed out. And it seems like a nice nod to Molly's ability to sense things as they're happening, like her witch powers, even though season three doesn't directly address that. 
Yeah, I was wondering about that as well, because it does seem like she's having some sort of precognitive moment there. But then Carrie says he felt the same thing, so I thought that was yes. weird. So first I thought it was just a cliche that Molly magically knows something's wrong, but then I was like, no, that's her thing. Maybe they are giving like more nod to seasons one and two, because like they brought up Rick in an episode not long ago. And now we get this. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I would like to think that was a callback to Molly's possibly magical heritage or something. And looking at the credits here, I don't believe the woman who wrote this episode, Jennifer Furlong, I don't think she's done any other work on the show, though. So no, this is her only episode. Yeah, so I don't know if we can say for sure that that is an intentional reference or not. But it's nice to think that it may be. If not, it's just convenient lazy writing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about that makeup, though. What is with that old lady makeup? You know, I know. It <laughs> what bothers me more than the makeup. Okay, like, first of all, the makeup looks like it's so thick. Yeah. It's yeah. So yep. strange. Her fingers are like puffy. You know, did Annie turn into an old woman or did she turn into some sort of gingerbread monster? <laughs> <laughs> but what bothers me more than that is her voice. Like, I guess Alex can't fake an old lady voice because she talks like she has a sore throat the entire episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. As the speech therapist in me, I was just thinking you are doing some damage to your voice. Do not do that. <laughs> not good. Yeah, I, I don't know. Alex's uh, old lady is not especially convincing. I yeah, gotta say, not at all. Like that wasn't old yeah. lady. That was sore throat patient. That mm -hmm. was like the tonsillitis episode for Carrie. <laughs> Overall, I feel like this episode is one of the season three episodes that feels like it's trying to teach the kids a moral lesson here. Um, you know, it's very much all about how, like, well. It's be careful what you wish for, and also old people you know, die. Well, not old people die. It's hey, you youngins, you got to appreciate being young now because someday you will be old as shit, and <laughs> um, and old people die. Yes, <laughs> like that's what I really don't get, and I've never got like I've never understood this part of the episode when Annie is trying to make her way over to Virginia's house and she just passes out. Like, is she supposed to be dying? Why is she dying? Do people <laughs> just drop dead of old age? Does she have a heart condition? What is going on here? I got maybe that it's the transition of uh, being really young to being really old overnight. Yeah. I mean, that's got to take a toll on a person. Probably a shock to the system. Yeah, I, I agree. Um. It, the shot of Annie falling reminded me of Lost. Uh, do you all remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I did not think of that, but I see what you mean. Yeah, at first I thought, is this by the same director? But it's not. Yeah, this um, is a Paul Lynch episode. And I usually like his episodes, so. No, I thought it was like a cruel tease to make it look like she's about to die, when clearly that's never going to happen on a Disney show. And also, it was scary for me to watch as a kid because my impression was like, okay, you turn old and then you die. 
<laughs> what the hell does mean? <laughs> this was nightmare fodder for me. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you know, I think the implication is that suddenly aging 50 years, 60 years overnight probably did some messed up things to Annie's metabolism or something. Because she says later when she's talking to young Virginia, she says something like "I about how she feels awful, how low her energy feels or something. Yeah, she like complains that. she can hardly breathe. Right. Yeah. As with many So Weird Season 3 episodes, there are a lot of things that are just left vague or unexplained. Or weird, like a panther comes along, snips her back to life. <laughs> well, as I said, that's just sloppy writing. <laughs> Did she see him? I think presence that felt him. Yeah. Okay. And maybe he like gave her a little bit of life. I don't know. It's just mm -hmm. once again the magic panther showing up and solving the characters' problems. You know, we've seen this all throughout season three, and it never ceases to bug the shit out of me every single time. <laughs> yeah, at least the panther doesn't solve all problems because Annie is still an old lady, but she is able to make it back to Virginia's house where she's able to convince Virginia to read the full letter so she understands that William is not coming home. And this is when Annie and Virginia have the heart-to-heart -heart about exactly what it is that happened to them. Because I really don't think Virginia considered that her wish didn't just impact her, it impacted Annie too. I think she was so wrapped up in herself that she didn't think about anybody else. Yeah. All right, Kat, I'm going to be jumping ahead here. I apologize. Because... <laughs> The very, very end of the episode. Who the hell are these kids? Do they say? The owner's grandkids. Okay, right. The owner who shows up in one scene for very few reasons. Um, Wait, can we not jump ahead? <laughs> well, what am I supposed to do if not jump ahead? <laughs> <laughs> You're about to skip over how the, re the resolution of the episode going into the epilogue of the episode. It's All right, funny. fine. Let's talk about the <laughs> Okay, we need to address the explanation that the universe made the switch happen. That's just like their magic word for like, we don't know what happened. So we're just going to say God made it happen. Only we're not going to say God. We're just going to say the universe. Yeah, that is their way of saying, please that don't send us any angry emails. <laughs> when does she say that? I don't know. Uh, I didn't hear that. Like, I heard that, oh, it was the storm, and it all combined together, the storm and the anniversary, to yeah. make weird stuff oh, happen. Oh, it was the anniversary? I thought she said the universe. No, it was the 50th anniversary. Oh, okay. This. So, it, uh, yeah, I, I doesn't, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. But, right. um, yeah, it wasn't universe. But it was Annie who said it, so I'm, I got that it was basically her uh, logic not really um, connecting everything. I feel like it was definitely Virginia Hasby being her witchy self. Annie being suddenly really old, just didn't really know what it was, so she tried to connect dots that she was seeing. Yeah, and then we see Virginia rub her hand against Annie's, saying that she wishes she could fix all of this and by the time she walks across the room she's an old lady again and annie is once again young so she there is like this magical power but we have no explanation as to where it came from or how it worked because i'm with molly on that virginia is not a witch she's just a lonely old woman 
I don't know. I just get the witch vibe all the way through. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think she's a witch either. I, I think something with the storm was what triggered it, but I don't, you know, it's vague. I don't think the writers would have included that line about there being rumors that she's a witch if they weren't at least hinting at that. But once again, there's just no explanation for why anything in this episode happens. Yeah. yeah. Once again, I feel like Annie is a very unactive protagonist in this. The Panther helps her get up off the floor when she falls. It's, you know, she convinces Virginia to undo this somehow just by talking about it. You know, it, once again, it feels yeah. like all the other characters around her are solving the problems for her instead of her doing it herself. Agreed. And that's why she's <laughs> not a satisfying person to watch. And Annie really shouldn't be the lead in the series, but she is. But I, I will agree that it is a better season three episode because this feels like if you had done this exact same premise, premise with Fiona, it would have been a pretty decent episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think that it it feels more like a season one and two episode. There's a strong emotional core to this one uh, that I don't really feel with a lot of season three episodes. So that kind of makes it seem like something from the earlier seasons. But I agree, it would have worked better with Fee. Yeah, I feel like that's probably because Paul Lynch uh, actually directed a lot of the season one and two episodes, I believe. Yeah, though, you know, see uh, Emily's statement about how X would have been better with Fiona. You can just slot in season three in that sentence and it would still work. (laughs) Yeah. And it's interesting how this episode seems to have a bit of an epilogue to it. Oh, now we want to talk about the epilogue. Yeah. First, <laughs> all we get is after they switch roles again, is that Virginia wanted to be young know, William and that looks forward to going home to him. So from that, my takeaway was, okay, so now the old lady wants to die. Right. It's framed in a positive way, but that still seems like a pretty meh ending. But then we get some bonus time. Mm-hmm. In fact, you want to talk about the bonus time? Oh, well, I want to talk about that fucking ghost that comes out of nowhere. What does that mean? No, stop (laughs) skipping ahead. (laughs) You're driving me crazy. (laughs) All right. Yeah, there's something about how, um, you know, we have a switcheroo. Molly and um, Annie are going to go to the movies and Jack and Carrie have to babysit this owner's completely unseen grandkids. We never we just hear like this tidal wave sound effect of children laughing, slowly encroaching on the scene. And I guess the implication is that, I don't know, uh, it it feels almost like a moment out of a Nickelodeon sitcom. I half expect some green slime to pour on Jack and Carrie's head in that moment. (laughs) Yeah, and then Molly takes Annie out, leaving Jack and Carrie to babysit by themselves because being young has its privileges too. And I always thought that was such a nice, humorous line to include. And I thought the episode ended happily for Annie being young. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, and now I have a burning question I need to answer. What movie did Annie and Molly go see? Okay, so this episode aired on June 8th of 2001. So <laughs> looking at the uh, list of new releases here, hmm, uh, you know what? I'm betting they went to see Atlantis The Lost Empire, which came out the week before and would have still been in theaters. So there you go, if you case anybody was wondering. <laughs> That's a Disney movie, right? No. That, well, yeah. yeah, that's that's the connection I'm making. I would I would assume that's the film, unless they went to see um, Evolution with David Duchovny. 
<laughs> or or swordfish with Halle Berry and John Travolta, but that's an R-rated film. So uh, I'm betting no, it was Atlantis. Too young for that. <laughs> that's a senior privilege. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then as our final scene, as Amy's getting ready to leave, she's here's Virginia still calling out to William, but then instead of just calling out his name, Virginia tells William that she'll always love him. She extinguishes the lantern and hangs it. And then Annie sees the ghost of William who lights the lantern. Yeah, so Virginia definitely went into her house, lay down on her bed, and died. I feel like that's exactly what happened the next morning. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, you I, don't see that? I, I didn't get that. <laughs> well, no, because she's made peace with this. So obviously she has nothing left to do in this world. So she just lays down and dies. I mean... <laughs> I, uh, I, I just thought it was a feel-good ending. <laughs> well, it is, it is in a sense, a feel-good ending, because now she's reunited with her husband, which is obviously the thing she wants the most. Mm, I don't think so, but yeah. I don't know. It seems kind of weird that his ghost pops up after she finally gives up on ever seeing him again. Yeah, it's a really cheesy ass-pull of an ending. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I kind of thought it was sweet, but I don't know. Now that I'm thinking about it more, I'm just kind of like, really, dude? You yes. show up right when your wife's kind of decided she can live without seeing you again until she dies. <laughs> yeah, well, obviously. Um, uh, and Again, okay, and, and going back here a bit. So this is the second season three episode that has to do with old married couples and ghosts. That's weird. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's well, true. People die. That seems to be the main takeaway from season three. <laughs> <laughs> um, but see, I'm convincing you that this episode isn't actually that good, aren't I? <laughs> you actually are. I'm. I've kind of changed my stance on it. Uh, <laughs> Watching it now as an adult, it feels kind of meh to me, and it's easy for me to nitpick it. But I'll always remember it fondly because I really did love Annie's storyline in this. Even though now looking back on it, it's like she's 15. Why are you treating her like a child? Yeah. And it's still my favorite episode after this discussion. So, yeah. <laughs> hmm. I mean, you know, in a season that gave us such golden nuggets as Changeling and the Great Encanto, this one can't help but rise towards the top a little. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the unfortunate thing is that going into this, it was hard for me to think of favorite so season three episodes so because i just watched this and you know first impression was hey this is actually a pretty good episode if i don't think about it too much um, <laughs> yeah, they don't you know that's honestly a lot of season three as long as you don't think about it too much it's good i, I guess i kind of got into the, the actually the old woman's story i thought oh yeah that's that's nice or you know it was sad i i, I feel for her yeah, you're making me think about it more, and I'm realizing that it's not that good after all. I mean, you know, it isn't, but it's still one of the better season three episodes, which is not so much a reflection on this episode's quality as it is on the overall quality of season three. Yeah. yeah. All right. Is there any other essential information we need to discuss about this one? So Molly talks to Annie about how she used to wish she was older, and then... You know, she says she wanted to stay up late, go to the movies. But then she says being a kid is one of the best things out there. And I'm just thinking, but Molly, 
you had a really bad childhood, right? Like you, you mm-hmm. your relationship with your dad and your parents wasn't that great. Where is this coming from? I don't know. Uh, realizing that adulthood has responsibilities. Yeah, <laughs> I guess, but I don't know. I just find it hard to believe that she looks back on her childhood and thinks, man, I wish I was a kid again. Well, I mean, the meta answer here is that this episode was written by somebody who hadn't worked on any of the other episodes, so they probably didn't even know. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could interpret it as she misses those days hanging out with Rebecca. Yeah, that's probably true. That would have been nice. That would have been nice to throw in like a a mention of Rebecca, maybe not mentioning her by name, but kind of her best friend. Ah, yeah. So something else that kind of reminded me of the first two seasons was uh, the letter from the lady's husband. What's her name? Virginia's husband. He says something like uh, he's going home to that other world where someday you and I will be reunited. And that kind of reminded me of another world, of course. Um, Yeah. 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 That's where my mind went to. Yeah. I loved it. But again, the writer wasn't on the first two seasons. So you have to wonder, was it intentional or just coincidence? Though I have to question who opens a letter to their spouse when they know they're dying with I'm coming home soon. That seems to be a real misleading statement. (laughs) (laughs) And more importantly, this whole episode happens because she couldn't be bothered to read the entire letter. Yeah. (laughs) Just read the one line and was like, he's coming home. Yay. It doesn't matter that 50 years has passed. It doesn't matter that he'll be an old man too. He won't recognize me when it's like, girl, you won't recognize him. (laughs) Well, I mean, at least Virginia has the excuse of being a senile old woman. Yeah. But yes, this is the equivalent of getting an email and responding before actually reading it. So, One other line was uh, when Mrs. Hasby and Annie go back to their, you know, ages that they're supposed to be. Mrs. Hasby says to Annie, you're a beautiful girl. And then Annie says, but what about you? <laughs> I know what she means by that, but it was just. <laughs> Jack was right to scold her. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to talk about? Widow's Walk while we're here? It's a good title. I like the title. It's a very evocative yeah. title. I love alliteration. Did you look up the uh, actor's? Oh, of course, of course. Uh, yeah, Sheila Patterson plays Miss Hasby, and she was in um, a lot of the same shows that a lot of So Weird cast members on. She did an episode of Highlander, uh, two episodes of The X-Files. She was in a couple of movies, The Omen 4 and The Stepfather, which I think have come up on the show before. And rather surprisingly, she has just passed away the uh, at the start of this month. She passed away on February 2nd. Yeah, I think she was like 93. 92, according to IMDb. Wow. I don't think I'd seen her in anything else, but. Just looking at the credits, she's been in some things I have seen, but like, I I can't, I don't think there are prominent roles or anything. Yeah, I think I saw her credits earlier and she was in uh, one of the Loku's talking movies and I loved those as a kid. Yeah, she's in the one with the dogs. Huh. And she was acting, well, I mean, I, I want to say this was fairly recently, but I guess this was like, her last credit is Diary of a Wimpy Kid, Roderick Rules, which was 2011, so. 
Yeah, she wasn't very active in everything. I think she just mainly did small roles here and there. But yeah, that's a, it's just sort of a sad coincidence that this episode happens to be coming out just a few weeks after she passed away. May she rest in peace. All right, so are we ready for ratings? Uh, sure. Okay, so I would give this one a five. Totally in the middle. You know, not not offensively bad, not especially great. Just an average season three episode. I think I would give it an 8.5 or 9, to be honest. For season three, it's, like I said, it's my favorite episode. And it's honestly, in my opinion, one of the best of season three. If not the best. My own opinion, that is. And I am a sucker for the cliche of people or somebody waiting that long for somebody to return, uh, even though that somebody is probably dead. I would give it a six. I agree a lot of with a lot of Zach's points that writing-wise, this is a pretty met episode, but I do really like the humor in it. And as a kid, I loved this episode for how it dealt with age discrimination from the youngest kids to the older kids. Well, you know, going into this episode and recording, I was thinking of just giving it a solid thumbs up. But, I don't know, the more we've talked about it, uh, I'd probably give it a thumbs up and a thumbs down. Zach, you, you, you convinced me, man. Uh, <laughs> it felt contrived watching it, but it, it wasn't, I, I wasn't thinking about it so much while watching it because it was like the first time you know really for me but now reflecting on it more yeah there are a lot of things about the episode that don't make sense or or cliche so but i do kind of like the storyline with the older woman so yeah that still sticks out to me so it gets a thumbs up well i only use my powers for good so I think that is a good way of phrasing it, that it's a good episode if you don't think about it. Like, yeah. in terms of analysis, where it falls short is the writing, the plot holes. But it's still a fun episode, and it's still definitely a joy to watch. There's a lot to refer with the characters. Just when you get to nitpicking it, a lot falls flat. That sums it up perfectly. <laughs> Okay, now let us never speak of it again. So, <laughs> do we have some feedback this week? So, this comment is from AZ and Seti from The Great Encanto. I don't really have anything all that positive to say about this app. Although, Ned and the Funny Burger drive through exchange was genuinely hilarious, but ultimately useless. And thank you for pointing out how Irene is missing. That bothered me on my recent rewatch. And then the ending just trails off with a very Goosebumps-esque tilt-shift shot. But yeah, this episode suffered the same problems from similar episodes. In relation to the show's previous mythos of witchcraft and magic, this concept cheapened that without much development or detail. And frankly, as far as stakes, tone, and development go, Disney did it much better in 2005 DCOM, Now You See, starring Ali Machaka and Johnny Picard, which I did enjoy. It's unfortunate that a post-Zug-era DCOM was able to pull off a vibe closer to that of Season 2 than 98% of Season 3. But I guess I shouldn't be surprised since Now You See director Dwayne Dunham directed the other classic DCOMs, including Halloween Town. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that they brought up Now You See because that was a quality DCOM. 
Never saw it. I think I saw it once. I don't think I liked it that much. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I can't say I remember that one, no. Hmm. Check it out. It was good. Okay. It was about magic. Well, I do like magic, but just <laughs> not the Great Encanto. Yeah, mm -hmm. not the Great Encanto. That's awful. Hmm. Okay, thank you so much. We have um, some comments from Nisea on the Great Encanto. They said, you guys should do a top five or top ten worst episodes of So Weird Season 3. That would be interesting, and there are a lot of strong opinions about Season 3, so it would be interesting to everyone to, to hear everyone's least favorite episodes from Season 3. I think that's what they meant. They also said they're ordering their So Weird shirt today, and they can't wait to show their love for the amazing show with the shirt. You know Yay. what? I like I like the idea of doing like a top and a bottom uh, episodes as like something with the last episode. Yeah. Yes, I concur. It, it'll be hard for me to come up with the top ten for season three. Like really hard actually um <laughs> yeah i really I guess could... like the idea of coming up with the worst episodes of season three well i think i could come up with like five that i could say are the best of the season and you know there would be like two episodes there i maybe genuinely like and then a three that are still kind of mediocre but uh i think i could do that yeah uh but thank you and uh cool that you're getting a so weird shirt i have one and i really enjoy wearing it too one of these days, I'll get one. <laughs> we have one more comment on our lightning rod episode from Kiwi Girl 2014. Oh, I bet they're from New Zealand. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> they said, okay, I just started season three, and I don't know what kind of rabbit hole I'm traveling down. But because I promised myself to watch all the episodes, I have to stick with it. Besides, if you guys can do it, I can do it. May the faith or force be with us. <laughs> Best of wow. luck to you. Stay strong. Thank you for self-flagellating for our behalfs. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Let us know what you think. Thank you okay. all for the feedback. We are recording this on the 26th of February. 20 years ago, the most recent episode of So Weird would have been Angel. It would have aired four days beforehand. So there you go. That's a little blast from the past there. Yeah. I really love that episode. And we're still posting uh, celebration tweets on the days that the episodes air. And we're getting quite a few responses. So definitely yeah, check that out. That episode still creeps me the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Unlike this episode, that's a really strong one. <laughs> It's still crazy to me that it's been 20 years since the show first aired. Mm -hmm. I did look up Carrie's age, according to the fountain script. Going back to what we talked about earlier, because you all were saying you weren't sure if he was, you thought he would be 21 in this episode. According to the script, in the second trip back in time, Fee is nine years old, nine years, 10 months old, and Carrie is 14. So there's like a four-year age difference. Yeah, four to four to five-ish. So the in this season would have been what? 16? 15. 15. So there you have it. So Carrie should be like 20. Yeah. 
All right. Well, that is a mystery that is resolved. Now we can just figure out what the hell else is going on with the rest of this episode. Um, is there anything else we want to discuss or? I just wanted to bring up that on Twitter a while ago, I asked if anyone would be interested in a transcript of the John Coxey interview that we did to celebrate the 20th anniversary. And 18 people said yes, I think around 18. So I did it. I transcribed the entire interview. It is 22 pages long, maybe 23. (laughs) So if you were interested, I really hope you'll read it. (laughs) Uh, I think that it actually is kind of helpful to have something written out. And you can just go look up certain things that he might have talked about. I really liked his answer uh, about uh, Rick's version of hell. That one was probably the highlight. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And also he talked about Rebecca and I loved hearing him talk about what that episode meant to him and all the other episodes. So yeah, definitely check out the transcript or the video version of the interview. If you haven't, I think it's definitely worth looking into. And also, Emily, I just want to commend the ridiculous amount of work you put in to to do that. So, (laughs) Well, I didn't really think of too much about it going into it, but it was a lot of work. Yeah. So thank you. (laughs) There's no way I would have had the patience to complete that. I would have like gotten a couple minutes in and be like, yeah, this isn't happening. (laughs) Well, I just, I know there's a lot of misinformation out there about So Weird we still get questions from people that just, they don't have the right information. And I don't know if people who don't have the information will necessarily go through an hour and a half interview, but they might go through a transcript of it just to see if they were right. And it's a way for you to like say, Oh no, here's what John Cooksey is quoted as saying. And then you can just say, yeah, check out the transcript. So Thank you so much for that, Emily. You're welcome. All right. Well, if there's no other business that deserves being brought up, I shall vanquish this episode. This has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Melissa. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And you must keep the faith.